0: Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes.
1: Only an intellectual could believe something so stupid. <laughs>
0: brain? You're a very bad man. I'm a very good man. Just a very bad wizard. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, today we're going to talk about the extended mind, an important topic with a large literature. But what about the extended penis? Why doesn't anyone do research on that?
1: I thought I had made it clear from my previous <laughs> conversation that we do too many
0: dick jokes and the, now now <laughs> now it's all dick now, jokes now all the now time it's
1: just like, we're gonna get typecast the extended penis over time so the, the, yes. the breadth and length of the extended penis and uh, and how it affects uh the bo- embodied yeah, no, penis I, <laughs> the, <laughs>
0: I guess it would be embodied I,
1: you know it sounds like a
0: hoax article it you does do it Let's you do it. Should we'll do bring it. down what. What field do you want to bring down? <laughs> what field do you want to just <laughs> eviscerate? Mathematics. Mathematics. Math. <laughs> your claim. Your claim that that inches
1: are actually capturing any meaningful metric <laughs> is based on
0: Western tradition of that anyway. that, it, that <laughs> has ignored for for <laughs> centuries the motion of the ocean. <laughs> Um, but anyway, we'll talk about the second segment, The Extended Mind, a famous paper by Andy Clark and David Chalmers. First segment, you said you had something for me.
1: Well, so <laughs> it just fell into my inbox. Again, apologies for all this penis talk. I just you can't help it. I got, the, you know, every once in a while, and I think maybe it happens to philosophy professors, I don't know, you get emails where people just find your name because you're, you know, in a psychology department. And you'll get like the just blanket emails of people proposing their theories about whatever. You know, I often get it like a theory of unified theory of the meaning of life or of schizophrenia. Or it's often from like a schizophrenic person. This one just was an email, dear Cornell University psychology faculty member. So I take it that all my colleagues got it, although I haven't <laughs> talked to them about it. I'm, and the title was The Psychological Impact of Circumcision Upon Men. So right up our alley. (laughs) So some Jewy stuff, some penis stuff.
0: So this isn't the extended penis, this is more like the abridged penis.
1: (laughs) The abridged penis. This is an attempt to thwart the extended (laughs) penis. I'm writing to send you information about the psychological (laughs) and physical impact of circumcision upon male children and upon the men they become. This subject is not often discussed in American society. In recent years, several articles have shed light upon how circumcision can adversely affect so many. Below is a list of links for articles that discuss how this is so. More and more men are beginning to speak out about what was done to them as infants and how this has affected them throughout their lives. Psychologists need to become aware of this issue in order to help those affected. Tragically, two young men in California became so depressed that they committed suicide because they were circumcised as infants. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to laugh at suicide. It's tragic. Depression is real. But like the claim that it's because they were
0: circumcised as infants. Well, how does he know that that's why they committed suicide? I didn't Did actually click, click the link? On,
1: on the on the link. No, but but it is from a a, a periodical. Was, I do not know. It's called Gay Star News. A gay man who suffered from depression over his circumcision kills himself. So so there is a, apparently a movement of men who are um sort of claiming that they they've been victimized uh, um that and so so I've actually clicked on the the article here I'll include a link this is something that I believe this is the man who committed suicide uh quoted this is something that I believe has a severe toll on people and all of us are affected in one way or another by what I see as a human rights violation a blatant human rights violation that is incredibly widespread and right under our noses Now it may be that it is morally just inappropriate to circumcise males, right? Maybe, maybe that's like, let's set that aside for now. The claim that is like adversely affecting you as an adult, that's the one I don't get. And here's why I don't get it. I mean, I mean, it's a between subjects design. I have no idea what it's like to be uncircumcised. So the, the, the notion that I'm yearning and missing this
0: piece of my body
1: is weird to me like what if it it was your
0: eyesight like you don't you wouldn't know what it would be like to see people what if you were mary the color scientist i (laughs) i i would just get out of that room already yeah (laughs) who the fuck has trapped me in here for this long no but i mean like (laughs) why why is that an objection to this like there's a lot of
1: well yeah it matters so 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 uh, uh, what I'm assuming, you're right to to question it. What I'm assuming is that there is no functional difference that you would be aware of. So, um, if everybody around me was talking about how good their foreskin felt, right, like they were <laughs> talking about how awesome the red, the color red is, right, and I was like, I the don't red? know what you are talking about. But That's what e- it's yeah, that the slang for. The, no, <laughs> for Mary the color scientist, uh-huh. like, the, like it's assumed that. Like Mary has a phenomenological. I love how this became all of a sudden philosophy of mind. (laughs) But the whole point of the Mary, yeah, the whole point of the Mary example is that upon seeing red, she's just like, oh, holy shit! I never, you know, I didn't actually know what this was. Right. And so, so, but it's, but, but here, but you bring up something that I learned learned
0: everything there is to know about foreskin. Having a foreskin, do I know (laughs) what it is?
1: (laughs) So apparently, and I clicked on, one of the reasons that I even <clears throat> paid attention to this is there's a, there's a woman named Darsha Narvaez, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, who is a professor um, who does moral psychology at the University of Notre Dame. And I know her, I've, I've met her and I, and, and I know of her work, but she's apparently very active in this sort of anti-circumcision movement. And she wrote this article about how, you know, seriously, we need to treat like the psychological damage. And and she makes all kinds of l- weird claims about um, how, like, she in this article, she claims that circumcision is tied to autism. Like, mm. and this is a scientist, right? And, and and she's trying to make the link through like the the pain of the of the procedure that's experienced uh, as an infant. Um, is somehow like experiencing that much traumatic like physical trauma at, a, at, a, at infancy is supposed to sort of like have this rewiring of your brain and it um, but it's all just you know it reads like a, the anti-vax uh, article but what I learned from this is that you can actually there's a procedure not a non-surgical procedure whereby you can day by day stretch the skin of your penis <laughs> So that a foreskin
0: <laughs> shit you not homeopathic decircumcision. <laughs> so, so that
1: a so that a foreskin so so that a foreskin will grow back.
0: Um, and oh, it actually grows back. Yeah. So um, you stimulate st- the growth.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So you, you stretch it? it out. You <laughs> you extend it exactly. It is exactly that. Um, but is it still your so, the penis
0: then? Is it still your penis in that? <laughs> It's it's, it is. it's in
1: your skin, so yeah. it is, so I think okay. it is.
0: Um, yeah
1: so so apparently you there's a way to, to get to get back that foreskin. So I don't know um, if we've
0: talked about this, but l- let's say this person who you probably rightly think is a nut job was like you replace anything that uh, refers to men, you replace that with women. And girls. Um, Yeah. Then, all of a sudden, the the email doesn't look so crazy. I mean, I think this is part of the point of the anti... Now, of course, my deep religious commitments doesn't allow me to go down this road of ethical inquiry. But it is... Unbelievable, and it's hard to find a principled explanation for why we regard the two things so differently. Yeah, so
1: you you could try to mount an argument that it's motivated by different things, but like I should say, I I'm actually super sympathetic to to the view that this is inhumane, unnecessary, and uh, just a relic of of religious ritual. Um, and so that's that. That's really not the part I'm mocking. It's sort of the victimhood that's claimed, though, uh, right. like <laughs> the, the seriousness with which people are like, you know, I my life just sucks now because I was circumcised as an infant. You could have done a lot of shit to me as an infant that yeah. had my like, you know, my, with minor physical damage, um, and and I'd be okay, I think. Um, so so it's weird. It's like I, I don't th- I think that you can make moral arguments about infants being patients that, are you know, I remember my mom telling me that she, when I was circumcised, she she could barely handle the distress, right? And she was immediately thinking, like, why did I do this, right? You know, if I had a man-child,
0: I, I don't think I would do it now. Would you? Um, I I You know, I probably would. Like, if I'm being honest, I would. I definitely yeah. would. I don't know. It's not... I, 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 I watched my brother get it. You know, he's 14 years younger than me. Shout out to Pros and Cons, his his YouTube series. Um, we'll link to that. YouTube sensation. David Summers. I watched him have a tiny little bit of his penis get cut off. And it just wasn't like, I don't know, it just didn't seem like that big a deal. Like a rabbi did it. He was making jokes yeah. as he did it. I I. I what it what it signals to me is <laughs> I do it for the tips. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, what it signals to me is that there's probably a lot of these things like that. That when you take them out of their socially embedded context, they seem barbaric yeah. and crazy. Um, but within that context, it just seems run of the mill. And I imagine that's probably like. You know, the same in some cultures for for female circumcision and for so many practices that like we have and some of which truly are morally objectionable. So I'm not defending. I'm not saying that I'm right. But I can tell you that if some baby mama calls me up and says, you know, you have a son, do you want me to have him circumcised? I'll probably say you're yeah. all for it. Yeah,
1: I think you're a monster. you're a, you're <laughs> you' you're a moral monster. <laughs> He's just slicing the genitals of. You. um no, and and I should say like first of all, <laughs> I do, we didn't prepare to talk about this. Mm-hmm. This is just something that literally landed in my inbox. So it's not like I read up on female <laughs> genital mutilation. But I do know there's various kinds, right? Yes. They' like there's a standardized way in which we could talk about male circumcision where it's like, you know, look, it doesn't. It it doesn't impede me from having sexual pleasure. It might impede me from having as much sexual pleasure. I just don't know it. I mean, really, it's like you know, Abraham knows maybe, right? Like he, he got it when he was eighty. <clears throat> that's a, and, that's a true within subject experience. And all the right? uh, people in uh, in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, the Dinah, <laughs> yeah. the, the, <laughs> the one dina the, kid, the,
0: the kidnapped Shechem. Shechem.
1: What are your so? What are your reasons for doing it? So, because I used to think. I think right now in, in the U.S. it's about 50-50. And so before really? when I was thinking about having a kid, yeah. When I was thinking about having a kid, I w- I thought, well, I just want my boy to look like other boys in the shower. Right? Like that's that's what I cared about. Um, and if that meant circumcising or not circumcising, I was like, I'll, I'll let it fall. Like let, just about that. But then, when I realized that circumcision was becoming much less popular, I'm like, "Oh, it's, it literally is a coin toss who who you're going to look like in the shower." All right? How many
0: sh- group showers do you anticipate your boy taking? Well,
1: I uh, I hope <laughs> I hope quite a
0: few. Um, I <laughs> for a while, and I don't know if this was pure propaganda it was deemed to be healthier or at least that's what they told us that's what they told yeah. me when i was a kid and right. i i'm sure at a certain point like 10 year old tamler was like why do they just cut off little tiny bits of penises and right. someone says it's actually much healthier it stops you from getting diseases that can go in now i don't know if that's true to any extent or not like is that is I that think com- there was- completely debunked or I
1: I don't know. Again, we should have prepared, but, but I think there's some evidence that it stops the spread of certain um, uh, STIs, but they look at countries in Africa that practice circumcision versus ones where they don't, and the spread of AIDS is higher. Um, but I, I still think that even if... You get this small effect of the spread of STIs, That's right? Like there are other ways to protect it. Like condoms <laughs> you have are way to cut better. Off your than- penis. <laughs> yeah,
0: condoms are going to be way better than have- than having the tip of your penis cut yeah. off. Yeah, right? I mean, like I guess the big thing is that if you've lived with it your whole life as you said when you started out it's like yeah. you know that you still have it's still like it feels and good for you so like you don't feel like you're doing any <laughs> serious damage to and it also does seem like that's just how penises look you know right yeah uh, you know I'll occasionally for research on the podcast look at porn and it seems like they're all circumcised they are not looking at enough german websites um, yeah <laughs> oh speaking of germany i will be in bonn germany um following week after this podcast comes out so if there are any very bad wizards listeners in bonn germany um that want meet up or to just give me some good tips about where to go bars to go to all right. Shall we move on to yes. the? I don't know that we
1: we've exhausted the circumcision. There's conference. more to talk about. I
0: expect this is something that I could see us getting. Yeah, and at.
1: I I just you know p- people who are going to tweet at us are not even going to wait until this point. It it really is the case that my primary <laughs> feeling of sort of uh, of ridiculousness was mainly about the claim that people are remembering the trauma of getting circumcised as an infant. That's the part that bugs me the most. Yeah, where I'm like. You don't remember. You yeah. don't.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you have psychological problems if you are claiming that you were traumatized by your <clears throat> circumcision as an infant, but you have no way of connecting that. And no, no medical professional has a way of connecting your psychological difficulties with your circumcision right. and
1: the good news is you can slowly stretch it out so that you yes. get a back.
0: circumcision uh <laughs> denial restoration funny i couldn't
1: find the quote but at some point this woman is saying um she says that like you can do this treatment to get it back and then she says something like um don't go to a doctor and tell them about this because they're going to be really negative about all of this. Like, just do it. There's, like, plenty of instruction yourself to learn how to do it. <laughs> because, like, the doctor, <laughs> the fucking establishment doesn't want your foreskin to grow back.
0: They'll give you a lot of fake news. <laughs> The lame stream doctor. Sir,
1: this borders on the kind of postmodernism that our listeners are all pissed about. Like the results of the study indicated that circumcision was perceived as an aggressive attack on the body that left children feeling damaged and mutilated. Ken Siever also noted these boys experienced changes in body image, with many feelings smaller and incomplete, feelings of inadequacy and helplessness, as well as tendency to withdraw psychologically. You
0: know Pretty what it change. reminds me of? It's like Doctor Strangelove when uh, the General, you know, uh, <coughs> yeah. Sterling Hayden, he's like, "I discovered this communist conspiracy during the physical act of love." I tell me, Jack. When did you first become well develop this theory? Well,
1: I, uh, I, I first became aware of it, Mandrake, during the physical act of love. Huh? Yes, a a profound sense of fatigue, a feeling of emptiness followed. Mm. Luckily, I I was able to interpret these feelings correctly. <laughs>
0: That's what that's what this is. It's like whatever fucked up thing that you have going on, exactly. it's like you need to find, you are, you are need to find the fi- reason.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is why I like false memory therapy, like of like satanic ritual abuse, like people people just need to find a reason why they're feeling all fucked up, you know? And it's like And
0: if circumcision yeah. doesn't work, then <clears throat> gender studies. That's that's the reason. <laughs> Don't get me started on those student protests. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. We'll be right back to talk about the extended mind.
1: Check it out. very bad wizards we like to take a moment to thank everybody for their support um really like the amount of people who have who have been communicating to us has increased dramatically i think since our new batch of listeners so has the support so we really thank everybody for all their emails their messages and their tweets and the other kinds of support um If you would like to get in touch with us, there are are almost too many ways. You can go to our Facebook page and leave a comment there. We always have lively discussions. You can tweet to us at VeryBadWizards or at Tantmler and at Pease. You can email us, VeryBadWizards at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us in more material ways, you can go to our page, uh, Patreon.com slash VeryBadWizards, and can be one of our many supporters who again thank you so much um really really means a lot to us uh you can support really us does. by going to verybadwizards.com to our support page there you can donate via paypal or click on our amazon link as long as it continues to work for us and i think do it's your shopping stay. as usual you know, it's like getting audited by the IRS. You, should, you have to
0: make X amount of money before anybody gives a shit. <laughs> but let's test those limits, people. <laughs> Big purchases, That's right. go to our Amazon link, please. Um, That's right. Yeah. Rate us on iTunes. We've gotten some just spectacular, at the flattering <laughs> yeah. reviews really lately. Really great stuff. Really great stuff. Including and- one that did complain about our, our our dick joke tendency who yeah will not be assuaged by this episode probably but <laughs> or the last but one maybe in the
1: yeah, maybe in the future um uh and instagram uh, you can follow us on
0: instagram that's right instagram and so much support and it's just I've, it feels like it's taken off in the last oh we should mention that we were on wtp live we yeah we the people live with josh we Zapps. the people live Yeah, that was fun. We had a long conversation that I, it was at night. I think I was (laughs) the only one drinking. And I remember, like, (laughs) when it was being released, I experienced a kind of dread that I I was going to just get a ton of shit. And so far, I've gotten a little bit, but not too much. And overall, it's been a very yeah. positive reaction. So, so good. Yeah.
1: Cause it was definitely not night for Josh because he's in Australia. Yeah. And um, so it was really just you and your ethical arguments, which I got to say, you might have been drinking, but they were just as unreasonable as they usually are when you're sober. <laughs> when up. I'm so, sober. <laughs> good, to, <laughs>
0: good to know. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Let this topic. Although it's I think it would be one that if you pulled our listeners, they would think that you came up with the idea yeah, over it's me. True. Uh, it's true. I was actually we haven't talked really about it since we came up with the idea and one of the things I was gonna ask you is like what what is your interest in? <laughs> Like it seems like a very me topic. Well, a couple of things. So there's one sort of direct, boring explanation, which is that Andy Clark, who is one of the pioneers in philosophy of this research into Extended Mind, and I'll say what that is in a second, he was on the podcast Philosophy Bites. And I, and I don't know when that was. It was somewhat fairly recently, but I saw that and then I... and, and You know, I have a history with this stuff. My first big conference that I ever attended to, I was still a graduate student, was um, this conference at UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham. Uh, It was called Distributed Cognition and the Will. And at that conference was Dan Wegner and Andy Clark and Dan Dennett. Like, these were big time. I didn't, I had no idea, like how big a deal some of these people were and and that's and so Andy Clark gives this talk on the extended mind and how we shouldn't conceive of the mind as contained only within the physical skull like the the skull or the brain that the mind can extend to all sorts of outward objects, Um, and again, he, he did this paper that he published with David Chalmers, which from 1998 was before we had access to certainly portable access constantly to the web, to the internet, and so it's only become a greater topic of interest, I think, in the literature. To me, My personal interest, aside from having been at that conference, it was my introduction to big-time conferences attended to by big-time people, I have lately become a—and I think my daughter, who's sitting behind me, will will back me up on this— I've become a crank about iPhones and the Internet in general. I— Like I'm very worried about her development as a person, because you know, because there's this, and she's pretty good about it. But there's this constant temptation to be on your phone, and and I've been worried about it, uh, especially with myself. I feel like it's destroying my memory, it's destroying my cognitive abilities, it's destroying my ability to focus. So that's that's the alcohol. alcohol. (laughs) Right. No, it's never the alcohol. (laughs) It's actually
1: the circumcision that's having its uh, late late effects.
0: uh, uh, (laughs) It's the circumcision, exactly. This is something that's been really disturbing me, and I feel like it's having hugely deleterious effects on my mind. So, this body of research and the argument that Clark and Chalmers make and have continued to make. If what they're saying is right, it could be that just my conceptual framework for approaching this question, and and specifically being really disturbed by the impact of iPhones and the availability of the internet, it could be that I'm thinking about it the wrong way. It's not that it's messing with my mind, it's messing with my memory, it's in part constitutes my mind It in part constitutes my memory. It constitutes the way in which I acquire knowledge. It is part of my overall cognitive frame, the way I interpret and understand the world. And when you look at it like that, it doesn't makes it almost doesn't make sense to say the fact that i have my phone is messing up my memory because it's not it's actually right. ex- enhancing my memory to a huge degree if my memory <laughs> includes the access i have to my to my phone the the basic idea behind the extended mind is a very simple one it's that our mind shouldn't be seen as just the things independent of our environment that if we are locked in a you know in a blank room with blank walls that we have access to at that time our mind should be thought of as this larger process of acquiring beliefs and acquiring understanding, and when that includes external objects like a notebook or a desk or a computer or your or your phone, then that is part of your mind. That there's no principled way of distinguishing that from the, from the mental processes as, yeah. that are in internal to the brain. That are internal to the brain. And so, what's interesting about this? It would be some, the let's, just to wrap up. This would be a debate maybe that I would be tempted to dismiss as purely terminological. And I think it is in large part a terminological debate, but for whatever reason, this terminology has real practical effects on how I, or it might have practical effects on the way I view something like my iPhone or, you know, my my laptop or the various devices that people have and their impact on on their lives like it might change my thinking to this is fucking up our life to this is improving our lives you know and all because of just a different way of understanding the concept of the mind so that's why i thought it would be interesting to talk about
1: I agree. Um and I also agree that it's it's eerily sort of pr- prescient in its carving out an area of interesting research that was only going to become more and more salient and and important. Yeah. Um with the advent of of as you say smartphones and it's it's a funny thing like as our teachers in elementary school probably told us when we complained about doing math and they're like, "Well, it's not like you're always going to be walking around with a calculator in your pocket." Right. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> And it's like, no, exactly. It's
0: exactly what we do. Right, I mean, that even for something more. like that, they now let them use yeah. calculators on the SAT. Because there's, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no point right. in What's not. What's the point? Right? Am I right yeah. about that? Because they realize that this is something that, and this is one of the, the their, their points, that it's not whether it's trapped in your skull that's the important thing. It's the accessibility that's the important feature. Right. And... Calculators are now just as accessible as your memory of of the multiplication table.
1: As inclined as I am to to um, enjoying the ideas, I do think that I have some quibbles with the specific nature of their argument. So, l- why don't we jump into what yes. their claims are? Um, there's a couple of different claims. I think one is is more plausible than the other, but. They start off with with sort of an interesting set of of examples, and and they ask really what's the difference between these examples. So the first is uh, consider just human problem solving, like what we might consider just a traditional cognitive task. Um, uh, the rotation of objects. This is one of the most common tasks using cognitive psychology. You have to they show you an object, a three dimensional object. Uh, on a screen and you're supposed to mentally rotate it. In fact, there, there is an entire intelligence test that is only (laughs) rotating objects. Uh, the Raven's progressive matrices. Um, and suppose that in one case, uh, you just have to answer the question. Here's an object. How would you have to rotate it in order to fit into a socket? You mental, so you mentally rotate it, just like this traditional test, you mentally rotate it in your head. Another condition is that you're sitting on you're sitting in front of a computer screen and you can press a button and have the image physically rotated on the screen. And so you can view it. So it, it turns and then you can decide whether or not it fits in that socket. And a third a third case in which, as they call the cyberpunk future, it is like example two, you're sitting in front of a, a computer screen, except for um, it is not that you're pressing a button to have the computer rotate the image for you. And it's not that you are mentally rotating it in the first way, Is that you have an implant inside of your head that um, that sort of is giving you the computational information. And so, so rather than pressing a button and having the computer do it outside of you, it's inside of you. So the question that they ask that sort of sets the stage for the, the arguments in the paper is what counts as cognition? Right? And it's and it's, it's it's interesting, you know. This is one of the differences, obviously, between philosophers and psychologists. To me, it's obvious what cognition is. It's the mental processes that are occurring sort of as represented in the brain. But it for this reason, these examples are are, are I think, compelling. Does it count as cognition? So obviously the first one is when you're mentally rotating the image, um, and perhaps it's obvious to you that the third one is that like if you have some implant, right, some little souped up uh, processor that's in your head that is also talking to your neurons, that that counts as as a form of cognition, even though it's just souped up. You can imagine, right, what if there's a memory enhancing drug that, that's it's not that far removed from that. So why doesn't that second example, when you're sitting in front of the computer screen and you press a button to have the figure mentally rotated for you, why, do, why don't we call that cognition? So they, they build a case for arguing that that is cognition, um, even though it's outside of, as Temler was saying, your skull and your skin. All right? it's, not all, it's not just all in your head. Um, and they call this view active externalism.
0: Yeah. So they try to connect it up with the externalism about meaning and semantic content and the, the Hillary Putnam twin earth case. But I think we should set that aside. <laughs> you want to sidestep that? Yes. No, I really don't um, think uh, it has any, like, it's not necessary to understanding their argument. It, they were young so, men. So, okay. At the time. <laughs> they needed the money.
1: They, they try to build the case that this is cognition and that it's not just terminological. It's not just that we want to include this. So, right, this is related in some ways to the the embodied cognition stuff where you say, like, for instance, um, you use your fingers to count. Right. Um, you can rely on your fingers being there. In fact, that's people pretty much believe the reason we even have base 10 mathematics so common is, is that we are counting... Our, our digits, and that's how we came to develop our system of mathematics. Um, I guess the, the the Mayans had 20 fingers. The same way that we can start understanding that cognition is fundamentally something that is about more than just brain processes, something that is extended beyond simple brain processes, in some cases includes the body, they argue it can include the environment. It can include... Um, your relationships with other people, but they give an example of two people, Inga and Otto. So yeah. in- this is a famous case for them. Yeah. Right. So I didn't know that. I've never, I'd never read this paper. Um. So Inga is uh, a normal person psychologically, and she wants to go visit a museum. And she remembers that the museum of modern art that she wants to visit is on Fifty Third Street. So she accesses this in her memory, and she she goes right. So it's not. A, critical to this point is that it's not as if it's in her conscious mind at all times that the museum is on 53rd Street. No, it's something that she has to access in her memory and right. she remembers and she goes.
0: And we can all relate to that. There's, just, there's certain facts that we have to think about for a second and then exactly. use various little would, like <laughs> mnemonic devices. It would actually. suck if they were all, yeah. all always in your conscious, in your, uh, conscious mind.
1: So... Now consider Otto, who is a, a patient suffering from Alzheimer's disease, and um, he has to write information down. So he learns he learns that the museum is on Fifty Third Street. He writes it in his little handy dandy notebook, and so when he wants to go to the museum, museum, he consults the notebook, um, and he sees that it's on Fifty Third Street, and he goes he goes to the museum. So, what is the difference that would prevent us from saying that the notebook is? part of Otto's mind.
0: Yeah. Right? And and the way the bridge uh, here is this notion of beliefs. So, yeah. Once Otto looks at the notebook, he believes that it's on 53rd Street. Now, the question is, do you want to say that he believes that it's on 53rd Street before he looks at the notebook? Well, probably people would say no, but Olga also if like if you just at a specific moment when she's not trying to access that information, she's also not aware right. of where the museum is. And so there's no real difference. Both of them can access that information, um, one person by just thinking about it for a second, and the other person for just looking in their notebook for a second. To the extent That's that you right. want to say one of them believes that you should say the other one does too, and one of them knows it, and that all of these are cognitive processes and part of their mind.
1: So here's where they try to take down maybe some, I think, reasonable objections. Um, and I find that, that their arguments are, p- are pretty reasonable in their, in their takedown. So they say, well, you, you could say Inga just has reliable access to the location of 53rd Street. So whenever she feels like knowing where the museum is, she has quick and easy access. Otto, on the other hand, you know, might lose his notebook or right, um, yeah. he might be he temporarily separated from his notebook, in which case uh, the, it's something about the reliability of the information. As they point out, though, you know, it, it, you can imagine a very, very reliable external device. And you can also, you all, we also know of many cases in which your memory might be extraordinarily unreliable, like when you drink too much for instance. or just getting right. older i mean <laughs> right.
0: you know being able to remember the name of an actor or the name of an actress sometimes oh God, you have God. it and sometimes you don't and it's you yeah. know the idea that it would be any more reliable than a, than a notebook or it, in fact
1: that's why the, it's, it's actually funny that the dated the dated language, even though, again, 1998 doesn't feel that long ago. They're talking about filofaxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody nowadays knows what a is. Even Palm like. Pilots came after that. Uh, yeah. yeah it's hilarious. And they uh, did this also, right.
0: like, uh, what, a year or two before Memento came out.
1: That's right. That's immediately what I thought of, yeah. like, his, his tattoos. Right. Um, Which are a funny intermediate point between between, you know, embodied, like, literally embodied. Yeah. Uh, by writing on your um, but i'll get back to memento because that to me that's an interesting example um, because to to me when I said at the top that there were two claims i think that it is an interesting claim to say that your mind is extended but this belief section is what i where I really start to think um maybe they're they're stretching it a bit but but so the other thing they say is maybe you, you might say that well um This is the kind of objection only philosophers would give. Maybe it's that Otto can only perceive the information. He has access to the information by perceiving it, not by introspection like Inga does. And so why call it a... uh, So there's two things that are going on um, in Otto. He has an external thing that he has to perceive, whereas Inga is just sort of like accessing that same thing. Um, But I think as they correctly point out, this is this is sort of a circular uh, argument that is you're just like the the very claim is that the notebook is part of the cognition and um and so this objection is is just simply kind of doubling down on saying that that it is two systems um whereas you could easily view memory and say current consciousness as two different systems as well one just happens to be inside uh, the brain the other one is not So, um, so while Inga can access it and there's some phenomenology associated with the access of memory, uh, doesn't really provide, right. They give the example of Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, uh, in, in the Terminator movie, (laughs) where if you recall, you know, he's sort of, he has like a little heads up visual display that's giving him information as he's walking around. Um, so, you know, it's not too far from that to a notebook. Okay, so I, all this to me sounds
0: reasonable. So what doesn't?
1: Well, and maybe this is just by dint of the way the technology has expanded. When they start getting into the conversation about belief, by saying, "Well, Otto having the address of the museum in his notebook is it is as reasonable to say that he believes." Uh, that that the museum is on 53rd Street, Um, as it is to say Inga believes it, uh, for all of the reasons that we just mentioned. The devices that we have in our pockets are very unlike the notebook. They mention this a little bit, um, but they're very unlike the notebook because there is a causal history to the notebook where Otto, and this is what gets me to Memento, where Otto knows that he wrote it down and he at the moment had a reliable reason to believe that that thing that he was writing down was was um, his own belief, right? So he's like, "I know I'm going to forget it, but I do believe this, so let me write it down." Um, Memento is this interesting in between case where I, you know, he does he gets tattooed. So Memento is for those who I don't know why you listen to us. Just not, if <laughs> don't don't even just try. Assume. Yeah, <laughs> where where the interesting point of of the movie is that we doubt the reliability of the information that he's writing down because of his particular condition and because he's being manipulated. So you can imagine that Otto has a notebook now with information that is in his handwriting but that has been he's been somehow been manipulated to write it down or somebody copied his handwriting very well. Can we say that he believes that information say if it's purely external right You're such a
0: philosopher yeah i think we can just the same like we can believe stuff that's a false memory we still believe it okay
1: well so so now now you have in your pocket well not currently in my pocket but a, a, a smartphone with access to the internet doesn't that put a kink in things where I can look up any of a gajillion pieces of information and have it at my fingertips. That, to me, is a stretch that I believe everything that is there. In fact, it would be inconsistent to say that I believe everything that's there. So you could say, well, let's let, you know, do I believe that, uh, I don't know, that there's a certain street in in Constantinople, in Istanbul, that is connected to the market? I don't, that feels weird now to me. Right, Google Maps might accurately be able to tell me. And when you get to other kinds of beliefs, like, is climate change man-made? Now, what do I believe if you're really externalizing the mind? Um, so I think that the causal history of how it gets into the notebook and is more like how it gets into the brain and less like access to... This is why the distributed cognition stuff is different to me. Like I have access to being able to calculate, you know, fa- to factor prime numbers with a calculator or something like that. But uh, but I and so I can extend my cogn- cognitive capacities in that way. But I don't know that epistemically or whatever, whatever this is, whatever the claim is that that I actually hold the beliefs that are accessible to me.
0: Yeah. So it, okay. Um, There are a couple ways to interpret what you're saying. So I, I agree that there's something important about the source of the external information that you're getting. Is it traceable back to anything that you did at some point? And the fact that he put down all this information in his notebook... Um, or at least sort of asked somebody to do it. And that seems to make that example more plausible. But then when you have information that you didn't ever at any point Think to ask about or play any role in it being available to you. Then it's right. you
1: sort of never epistemically interact. Yeah, with yes, that right.
0: You've had no yeah. epistemic yeah. interaction with it. Then it seems weird to call it a belief. But I wonder how important that is for the. So I wonder if that's just uh, an uh, uh, an objection to trying to extend this to belief. In every case, rather than the mind, our cognitive abilities and our cognitive problem solving skills and things like that. I do think there is something to the idea that even if that, that if you're presented with a brand new problem that you know how to use your phone to solve then that can maybe legitimately be called part of your cogn- cognition, your cognitive processes, and your mind. Even, yeah, even your mind. Or at least I'm not exactly sure why not.
1: Right. So here's where I think. Then you know, and I again, this probably like other people have made this point in oh, I'm given sure. that this. Yes. this <laughs> we don't know um, this literature. Uh, no, no. In fact, a little shout out to Bryce Hubner. He wrote a book on on distributed cognition. He'd probably. And apparently Jerry Fodor
0: before. has has like frothing with anger at this whole idea. Yeah. And people like um, say, well, of course he is, but uh, like I don't know anything <laughs> about that. So don't ask. <laughs> right. Uh yeah.
1: The I mean, I can t- I can see the objection. Like I I I like it as a metaphor. Um and I, I just don't know that what I was going to say is that here is, I think, an interesting um, distinction that has to be made now That is, gets us beyond Otto and his notebook and it gets us into the world of sort of having having the Internet access at your fingertips. Um, in this paper, they do, in one paragraph, discuss this objection. So they say, um, let's see. If I rarely take relevant action without consulting my file of facts, for example, its status within my cognitive system will resemble that of the notebook and autos. But if I often act without consultation, for example, if I sometimes answer relevant questions with "I don't know," then information in it counts less clearly as part of my belief system. So you have a file of facts with like everybody's phone number, um, you know, ten thousand phone numbers in it. But if I ask you what your phone, what the phone number of somebody is, you say "I don't know." You may you may not even know that it's in there. Um, but if you went, if you bothered to look for it, you might find it. It's harder to count that as a, as a belief. And that immediately following that, they say the internet is likely to fail on multiple counts unless I'm unusually computer reliant, facile with technolo- with the technology, and trusting. But information in certain files on my computer may qualify. So here's where I think in one in a couple of sentences they're addressing this objection. They're saying. To the extent that you can reliably say that you causally interacted, like by filing it yourself and your computer, knowing where to access it, then we would count it as maybe constituting belief and and mind and here's where I think an interesting uh, uh, there there is this interesting difference in two people who might both be carrying around an iPhone or both have access to the internet. in one case, you have a person who you know i think this is really relevant for the the whole issue of fake news you have somebody who is skilled at being able to distinguish good from bad websites and rumor from fact by looking at the right places on the internet hell you even have people like there there are people that i know who are less familiar usually older who don't even really have the what we sometimes call google google foo which is to know what to type in to google in order to find an answer because right, that actually takes some skill to develop, to know exactly. So sometimes I I play this game with my father where where some question comes up. I type something in and he types something in and I get the answer right away. And he's mystified as to, and he, he literally asked me like, what did you type in to find that? And so I, you know, I give him the little shorthand. But of course his was like a longer sentence that wasn't exactly as, you know, there were going to be things in his sentence that would cause the results to like be, have a bunch more noise in it than than mine would. What I'm saying is I'm better than my father. No. You you like um,
0: torment your father in ways that are that are reminiscent of a Harold Pinter play.
1: I don't know who Harold Pinter play is. <laughs> um, I have no idea what that <laughs> reference was. But I take it it's hoid, too hoity-toity for me because
0: he was a blue, British playwright, like rich. Might have is there a rich Educated prize. background. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I went to school. For um, playwriting. But, you
1: forget i know you're fan- you're fancy sometimes you claim that you're not you're like oh i'm lower middle class boston <laughs> whatever whatever but you're fancy i'm not fancy the i am
0: lower middle class.
1: Um, <laughs> so he- so it matters not that the information is there like to me the skill level like whether or not we're going to call it on 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 clark and Chalmers' view whether we're going to call google part of my extended mind I think really turns on whether or not I am sufficiently capable of using it to access information reliably. Right? So just the existence of like snopes.com gives some people an advantage like the you know you know snopes.com right? Remind it's a me. fact checking it's a fact checking website. So if you ever hear like those cr- it's been around for a long time but whenever you get like those crazy email like things that you you know somebody sends you but it's like penises it's just, yeah, stretch your force and it'll grow back. Yeah. Um, you could just go, you could just search on Snopes.com and they've dedicated themselves to, like, distinguishing true from false on the internet. Um, <laughs> so Is there,
0: like, a Snopes meta, like, watchdog site that...
1: Well, it's funny when in the political climate of the last election it's people did start to cause usually it's just like focused on those stupid, you know, Facebook like Anaconda eats man whole. You right. can hear him screaming, you know, or whatever. Like it's those things that they would would uh, really dedicate themselves to. But when it came to all the political stuff, then it really start, you know, then people right. did start being partisan. And so they try their best to be as objective as possible. Um, to me it turns on how how reliable internalized yeah how reliable and how how much access to the reliable process do you have it's not enough for it to exist and in some theoretical way be accessible but it it turns on practical accessibility like Otto's notebook he knows where to open the page right yeah oh god this Uh, is is
0: edging dangerously near some gettier like epistemic (laughs) luck kind of Situation. Well, it is philosophy so let's of mind. Pull back. It is. Pull out. Pull out. <laughs>
1: I, I, I think that it's to the extent that you want, like, unless you're just making the claim that it's metaphorically interesting. I think that it does turn on on this these interesting cases of the reliabilism and epist epistemic processes i actually think
0: so yes i agree that like when you're trying to nail down the concept it does turn on these cases and our intuition about those cases and i my guess is we're not going to be able to come up with a fully consistent set of intuitions about that there will be times where we can't come up with a principled distinction between two types of cases but it just definitely seems like in one it, case it's not the mind or it's not a belief, and in another case it is. And then, but wait, yeah. no,
1: I, I don't. I, but is it that obvious whether Google is part of the mind? No, it's now? not.
0: Like, and so you'll have to like come up with these cases to try to, I guess, and like I, I think where our intuitions on that question are ambiguous. Like, where where we don't have a clear set of intuitions on that and so it's like what will be the most useful I, uh, designation for the mind it will it be i guess I, yeah
1: i'm wait but i'm not playing that i'm not playing the game of does your intuition mean this is mind or that your intuition mean this i'm i i think that what i'm doing is actually trying to flesh out the arguments they're making for ...for the complexity of the modern internet. And I think that on their view, when we think about what it entails, what it requires for their view, is not... These aren't puzzle cases to me. It really is that because the world has changed and we have access to to everything at our fingertips... It means that y- you have to flesh out a little bit more what you would mean by saying the extended mind of of a smartphone. Oh, okay, I see. Right, and, and and it's it's to me it's less about testing your intuition and more about some people really do seem to have access to the world of information, and some people, even though it's right there,
0: don't. But but that now I'm maybe blending some of the slightly more recent stuff with this paper, but they do talk about a person's skill in accessing the reliable information as being one of those dividing lines or as marking off those boundaries, right? So, you know, the fact that you can do the Google thing better than your dad and the fact that you know about Snopes.com and have been able to check its reliability Certain things that you would get are more plausibly part of your mind than they are part of your father's mind, right? And yeah, and so this is, but this is all
1: to say, actually, it becomes a weird argument to say that my mind is that much grander than the mind of somebody with access to Google, but who doesn't know exactly how to use it. I think that's. But now you're saying it's not
0: about intuitions. But when you say it becomes weird, you that is a that is a claim about your intuition.
1: No, no, no. I'm saying is that the that what their argument seems to entail is a conclusion that I think is untenable. Not because I have a gut reaction that it's not my mind. But because I don't think that's in the spirit of what they meant, like I actually think that it's it is reality has given us a reductio,
0: right? It it is that that. But but there's no there plausible. L- so then, where do you want to draw the line then? If you don't want to draw it, skull and skin. Oh, you want to go back to skull and yeah. skin? Yeah. Yeah. but I then I still think that you have the you know like the note Otto's notebook. Which I've, I'm I'm fully convinced by, like it's you know this is definitely I guess a one person's reductio is another person's modus <laughs> total, whatever the fuck. So I you know to me it's just as clear that the notebook should be considered part of his mind process, and your fingers should be. Okay. All right, so you're relying on your intuition about this? I well, we both are. Just one of us, as usual, one of us is willing to admit it and the other isn't. But but set that aside, like, I don't think there is a comfortable resting place, is my point, for this. Like, you say skull and skin. Here's where I think moral questions also bear on this. This came from the podcast when uh, Nigel Warburton, I think, is interviewing Andy Clark. And he says, why does this matter? Like, Who cares? Great question. But he says, I think this can make a kind of a moral difference. You know, if somebody goes to Otto and zaps his brain in a way that really messes up his memory and his cognitive process, we think that's a terrible moral transgression. But if someone steals his notebook, we think that is a less terrible moral transgression. But in some ways, we should sort of view those as the same thing. If you view their, the two things through a functional framework or perspective, you are harming auto in similar ways. That's, that's important. And if you, if you cut it off at skin and skull, th- then, you know, then you can say, well, a poor education isn't messing up the minds of young children you can it's all just what is contained within there no so as long I, as you I don't, don't like I don't zap think... them electronically or give them you know bad like lead in their paint in their houses I, then, then you haven't done anything wrong to them so I, I, you're like I, good job i don't
1: think that you i don't think that you need to have a, an account of an extended mind in order to consider it a moral wrong to not educate
0: people. Right? No, but to I, think I of it as a seriously like damaging.
1: I don't think it buy. I don't think it buys you much. But I want to take you a little bit to task about <laughs> your inconsistent accusation of intuitions in my arguments versus your reliance and unreliance of intuition in your arguments.
0: Like I. No, I think we're both doing it like we're both. Yeah, except for that. I, but but you're when you call something a reductio, what is that based on? Like it's not based on it's based on you finding it a counterintuitive inclu- conclusion.
1: But you are I am not accusing you of being unfair when you use your intuitions. You are the one who is when you don't want to talk about it, you're like, oh, this is just getting to intuitive stuff. So So forget
0: it. No, I don't think we should forget it. I think we have to. We have to do it. Like there's no getting out of that. I've always held that. But
1: there's a but there's a substantial amount of work that is that is occurring after an intuition, which is reasoning your way through what these examples may or may not say. I
0: agree. Like I, I, I we yeah, we agree on that.
1: Yeah, except for that, I don't interrupt your arguments by calling you like reliant on intuitions I, and I being frustrated. I I don't think I did
0: that. <laughs> I, all I said was I don't—I wasn't—like, you took it—you're taking it in a defensive way uh, because you think intuitions are, like, a terrible accusation. All I was saying was I think our intuitions—I don't think we're going to come to a intuitively satisfying resolution to the kinds of problems that you're raising. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't raise the problems or there's not interesting discussions that can be had. I, w- I just don't think— like if the that that there is going to be this oh here's where the mind is so you say skin and skull that's your resting place to me like it's 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 not it's somewhere between there and the whole internet is part of your mind but like at every point in that i think there's going to be things that are pulling me both in the direction of skin and skull and direction of the whole internet yeah so like the work
1: But the work that we're doing is coming up with reasons for actually believing one way or the other, despite our intuitions, right? So it's like I don't think it's despite;
0: it's just trying to make sense of them.
1: Yeah, and so that reasoning is the work that I think I'm doing. It's it's not just playing around with intuitions here. It's actually saying, but no, but it's saying like there is a meaningful difference in say the information accessible on the internet versus Auto's notebook that I think actually gives us reason to adjust an intuition that we may have had. That Yeah, okay, accessible information uh, seems to be part of the extended mind, but here's a case where accessible information doesn't seem to be part of the extended mind because of these reasons, not just because, like, my gut tells me the internet is not, right? It's because, in fact, it is a different source of reliability. That They count as reasons
0: for you legitimate reasons rather than just reasons that are you know like completely arbitrary is because you find it intuitively plausible that in those cases it's not uh an example of
1: no it's because what i'm doing is i'm i'm grounding my arguments if i say like what matters is accessibility and then i say okay here's a case where accessibility is there but But it doesn't actually mean accessibility with equivalent. What's the basis for that
0: conclusion? It doesn't actually mean. Well, all I'm saying is it's access platonic form of belief because the
1: because accessibility seemed like a, a shortcut to truth, right? So you'd say Otto looks at his notebook and he knows where 53rd Street is. Now you look at the internet and you have eight different eight different locations for the museum and you cannot make sense of it, that to me is a reason to think the inability to distinguish the truth and falsity of information on the internet is a, an actual reason to consider that mere access to the information as in Otto's notebook is just is not sufficient to make the argument that it is your extended mind because they're making their argument based on the access being a guide to the reliability of the information. Like, it is a. Um, this is. In other words, what I'm saying is this is not just like a, a Gettier problem. This is actually like where the content of the argument is sure, sure, like there are things that are well, of course, like based of course on it's got to be but like, but,
0: access to reliable information, right? Accessibility of reliable. Like, if your calculator just didn't is, like malfunctioned this, three out of yeah, every but four times. Calcu-
1: but that is why I'm saying like the internet is. The true information is there, is just masked sometimes with noise that is not true. Yeah. So what are we to make? Because I think it's really easy to just say, oh, yeah, and cool, your smartphone is now part of your extended mind. I think actually, like, that would be an unreflective, just, like, bad conclusion because the Internet poses problems that weren't there in Otto's notebook.
0: I mean, I agree with you that the internet does and i agree with you like i think the only disagreement if we have one is like maybe you think reason is doing more work than i am although clearly we're we're doing all the things that you reason people love. We're coming up with, we're, we're trying to generalize some sort of principle, trying to identify some sort of general principle like accessibility, uh, reliability, and then we're trying to figure out to, like how important, yeah. like come up with cases right. where so it's like not, we're doing it's all not that just
1: mere, But it's not just, so it's not just mere mental masturbation.
0: It's not mere, in, <laughs> it's never mere intuition. But there is intuition because when you say, like, the fact that uh, there's all this contradictory information on the internet, that shows right. that shows that it's not the mind or that it's not a belief because there's all these sort of... Con- like, why? What if somebody just said, no, it's still part of the mind. The mind is contradictory. The mind comes... To- ba- we, we have contradictory beliefs ba- all the time. Based
1: on the arguments that they made.
0: Right. So if your goal is to sort of, like you know show that they messed up in this part and they needed to add this little criteria like or whatever but then then (laughs) bravo you've scored a couple points against poor Uh, and the scotsman and the australian
1: I, i think that i think that that uh that you've missed the point of Of my objection to your clear objection, it was
0: objection. That's the thing that I'm still struggling to figure out.
1: You wanted to, you wanted to move beyond because this was nothing but. I wasn't trying to. When
0: did I say move
1: beyond? You said let's move on. What do you mean? You said let's just move on because now you're getting on to like what is just. Gettier problems and like intuition.
0: Oh, no, that wasn't. We're let's move on because we're getting the intuition. It's let's move on because we're getting close to the intuitions that are very particular to Gettier cases that involve like. Epi- it was just a joke. Like anything that like borders on <laughs> Gettier style case intuitions, I want to move away from. I- Is this whole thing ba- misunderstanding based on that? It's-
1: yeah, it's like this gut reaction that you have. Like when I was trying to make, re- like I, I think that what's at the heart of my frustration is that there are intuitions and their intuitions that are built upon with reasons, and that you, uh, when you deem it unworthy of of the time spent to flesh something out, you j- you go back to the like this is just nothing but intuition. Like you you reason people who think you're doing some work, and they're like, oh, congratulations, you've like. Maybe we could go back to the hero worship of young Tamler at the conference, but like I bet you that Andy Clark and Dave Chalmers think that reasons are backing their arguments and that. But I bet
0: they wouldn't deny that matter. their intuitions are ultimately going to ground whether you agree but with them. Or I not. didn't
1: say, but I I didn't say that they would deny it. Well, then <laughs> we're not
0: disagreeing. <laughs> uh, okay, I gotta go. Five uh, <laughs> <In cinco> minutes. <laughs> I do think. Okay. Just to quickly rack up, wrap up, I think it's an interesting question. Like, I, I, I don't like. You're more dismissive and worried about intuition, like appeals to intuition, than I am. But it's true that I do dismiss. <laughs> I would never have brought it up. <laughs> certain <laughs> certain debates, like the Gettier debate, as but the reason I dismiss it is not because they appeal to intuition. It's for some other reason. So it might be interesting at some point to talk about what those other reasons are.
1: And so I, what I was going to say is the reason that I went back to thinking of it as is, is just uh, skin and skull is, again, not just because I'm picking between two intuitions. It's because I genuinely believe that if, if you have to take one argument, um, it can lead you down. I think their argument taken at face value leads to problems where uh, you have the, the problems that you encounter with what the Internet is now. And that the that just keeping cognition in mind at skin and skull doesn't but there it is terminological. It really is yeah. it is that's that's all it but is. But your
0: resolution um, leads to people just taking Otto's notebook away and like throwing yeah, it in the Hudson I think River that, and and all, and, I think that's and educating our inner city <laughs> children poorly. So
1: I think that if you asked me whether to take the internet away or is out my brain, I would have I, I would I would hold to this. Well, point, I do too. Right? Like, like I, this I, is
0: what's interesting about this the these arguments is it it challenges cuz I I totally agree with you, but am I is that just based on some sort of prejudice? Is that just Although based I will, bias, yeah. you know, like I will
1: I will say that nowadays to get to where you started with this. I have anxiety if I don't take my phone into the bathroom with me.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: like that's how reliant i am it's bad
0: it's bad it's crack and i think okay. but i think that the reason it's bad is and i was hoping we maybe we can talk about this another time it it it's not that it's messing with our minds exactly it's that it's it's expanding our mind in ways that's maybe maybe that's the way to understand it in ways that are not fruitful right like acid <laughs> Which, they know that's an example of ways extended mind that is free from. <laughs> All right. Join us next time on Very Bad Wizards. I'm than you have pay no attention to that man anybody can have a brain you're a very bad man i'm a very good man just a very bad wizard